everybody, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash cubsweekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andraki here, joined by uh, 2021 Marquee Sports Network <laughs> fantasy football champion. About uh, the record show. That's the official title for it's you, right? Like that, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, I wanted to throw that out. I know you've been feeling a little, uh, uh, not getting quite the amount of attention that you would have liked yeah. for winning the championship a couple of years ago. So congratulations again. Thank you on your win two years ago. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's get into Cubs stuff. So Andy, last week on the podcast, you and Tim. We're talking a lot about the MLB postseason, and we'll get more into it as well. But one area that you guys brought up that I think is really interesting that teams or media really have been talking about is the the teams that don't play in the wild card round. They end up having like five or maybe six days off or whatever before they end up playing in the DS. And there's been so much made about how three of the four teams this year who had that first round by end up losing. Only the Astros advanced. I I, I loved your guys' take on it and like. I just feel like it's a pretty easy thing, like do better yeah. for, the, for the other teams. Like you're a 100-win team or close to it, figure it out. I, I remember in 2016, the Cubs had four or five days off, whatever it was, before their DS started after like, you know, the way the old format where it was right. just a one-game wild card. But they were doing live VPs and they were doing like simulated games and they were figuring out ways to keep guys sharp and not have them be rusty or whatever by the time they play in four or five days. Like that should be easy to do. It should be, and the, there's there was a bunch of days off between even the DS and the CS, and I don't see the excuse being made of like, oh, like the Diamondbacks are struggling because they had this time off, or yeah. or the range or the Astros are struggling because they had this time off. Like it, it only applies to this situation. And if you look back last year, where the Astros and Yankees both won their respective division series matchups after having that five day layoff, like. It balances out, right? Mm-hmm. The wild card teams have to use their best pitchers. They have to use their best lineups for three days, um, or two or three days, depending on how long that series goes. So theoretically, like you might not be able to start your your number one ace, your your horse, for maybe game two, game three of mm-hmm. that division series. Which at that point, maybe you're down one zero, maybe you're down two zero, and your back's against the wall. I think it comes back down to kind of what Tim and I spoke about last week on the pod, where there were bigger issues for some of these teams that yeah, we had absolutely. seen, like. Even when the Braves played the Cubs, the Braves lineup was really, really good. But you saw what they had to roll out pitching-wise because of injuries, because of how short they were in the starting pitching department, where they had to rely on some rookies, some young guys who didn't have the experience. And, and it was really all on Spencer, uh, Spencer Strider to, to basically win his games and dominate for, for the Braves to have a chance. The Dodgers, I thought it was incredible that they won 100 games and, and yeah. got as far as they did, given that really for, for a chunk of the season they only had like two rotation pieces and they were still able to kind of piece it together and, and make it that far in the playoffs when you only have two starters and then in game one that one ace gets gets uh, lit up it, it makes it tough to, to win a game let alone a series yeah I absolutely and I mean I think it's it, like underscoring underlining the issues for the Braves and Dodgers were two of the four teams or two of the three teams rather that didn't advance here so I yeah. think that is a big deal but like the Orioles which you guys mentioned too like starting pitching was a concern and I mean imagine the the Braves and Dodgers being as banged up as they were if they had to play another right. postseason series or even a single game you know to get to that point so um, I think there's there's too much made out of it. I would love yeah. to see a bigger sample size of the playoff format too before I really come up with like right. uh, my own thought on it. But yeah, I, I do think there's too much made out of it this season for sure. 
I think this postseason has been really interesting, though, and there's always takeaways to be, to be had from an MLB playoff uh, where a team like the Cubs, who in this case and for three straight years now have been sitting on the outside looking in. So as Jed Hoyer, as Carter Hawkins, as even Tom Ricketts or somebody is sitting at home watching the playoffs, there are some takeaways to be had. Yeah. And I think seeing the way that the Phillies and Rangers, as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, they're both up 2-0 in their series. They're teams that are heavily built upon free agency. They've spent yeah. a lot of money in free agency to add guys like the Phillies, you know, they've added uh, Craig Kimbrell, Kyle, Hen- uh, Kyle Schwarber, not Kyle Hendricks, sorry, <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, uh, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper. Uh, they traded for Real Muto and then signed him to an extension. Like Zach Wheeler was, in a, was a free agent addition. A lot of their guys are free agents, and the Rangers the same thing. I mean, sure, they traded for Scherzer, who, you know, is coming back here. But, like, Jacob deGrom, not pitching now, but he was a big free agent signing. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, Jordan Montgomery was a really good trade for them this right. year. But Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, like, a lot of their guys are free agent free agents that they've signed. Do you think, Andy, that this may end up being in a copycat league may end up putting a little more emphasis on free agency this winter or moving forward? I think it definitely does, and I think we've kind of seen it, right? Like, we, we've seen the, the quote-unquote copycat league, like you said, right? When when the Cubs did the rebuild and the Astros did the rebuild, what was the trendy thing to do in baseball? It's like, oh, we, you got to rebuild. That's the way to get back yeah. into baseball. You, see, you, saw, you, you saw a bunch of teams try and do it. Some teams were successful, some weren't. Um, we've seen it, it, it going back even further with the analytics, right? The the Moneyball A's, like that was the thing, the copycat. The, the, it just becomes so, it is a very much copycat league that maybe there is something to, to buying it. the the big free agents that get you get you over the top. But I think what it, my takeaway is like it's what's a little underscored in all of these teams that there's, there's still that element of homegrown players yeah. that are contributing at the, the, the level. The Rangers, Evan Carter is such a great story, but... He's like the PCA and the Cubs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like you need to have those success success stories with the with the Phillies. We've seen it with with Stott and Bohm and guys like that. That yes, Bryce Harper might get all the flashy attention, and yeah. Nick Castellanos might get the or flashy Rojas home runs. making those catches in center. Right, yeah, like yeah. you need those those players, and the Cubs kind of have that to to kind of bring it back to the Cubs. They kind of have those those quote unquote like supplementary pieces, right? Like whether it's like a Nico Horner or an Ian Happ, like you have those. You don't necessarily have that superstar like those teams do, but the superstars are what's gonna gonna get the attention, and they're gonna hit the fun home runs, the the three run homers, or the three home runs in one game. Like they're gonna have all that that stuff, but you need those guys that will make that that big catch in the gap, or that nice play at short, or or that that single that leads to the three run home run. Like you need all of that to to contribute because at the end of the day, it takes more than just one or two guys to to win a win throughout a season and win a series and, and win a World Series. Yeah, and I think from a Cubs perspective, tying it back obviously here on, on this podcast, I mean, I think that the Cubs are going to be motivated to be active in free agency yeah. regardless of whether right. the, how the, however this playoffs played out. I think they are going to be very motivated. Yeah. They have to fill the Cody Bellinger hole, maybe with Cody Bellinger or not. Like, we'll see. But, you know, Shohei Otani's out there, not going to pitch next year. Like, how, how much will the Cubs be in play for them? Or Yamamoto from Japan. Or, like, there are some guys out there, absolutely, that the Cubs could go out and get in free agency and try to make their team better. And maybe on the trade market as well. Like, expect the Cubs to be aggressive for sure this offseason. Sure. And, and adding to the payroll and pushing pushing it, you know, over the luxury tax or at least up to it, you know, once again. And so I think regardless of how the Phillies, maybe it does end up being a Phillies-Rangers World Series, regardless of that, I think it just goes back to the fact that 
teams that do go further in playoffs, like you said, they have star power. Star power is you, you usually gets paid in free agency or the real Muto aspect of like you trade for a guy and extend him and keep him around. Yeah. Cubs have done that with Ian Happ, Nico Horner, some of their own homegrown guys, keeping them around, keeping Kyle Hendricks around, like that kind of stuff. It's building a core. It's keeping a a, um, a chemistry and, and stuff intact. And the Phillies did that. Like, we saw what they did as a wildcard team last year, almost kind of backed into the playoffs in some ways, and then went all the way to the World Series. And, like, they that core is intact. Like, almost the same roster is here in the NLCS. Again, just a couple wins away from being on the verge of their second straight World Series. That kind of stuff matters, too. And I know that that's also something the Cubs are prioritizing quite a bit this offseason is keeping to that that quote-unquote championship core keeping that intact and adding to it in a good way yeah it's it, to go back to your point about star league I, i'm was just trying to think off the time i had probably the last world series team to not have a star on its roster like every every world series winner or, or at least the team that's gotten to the world series i think the the, the one that kind of comes to mind is the 2015 royals is probably the last but even I they had like moustakas yeah. and like Masakas was really good at the time. Lorenzo Wade Cain, Davis. Wade Davis. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like they had a lot. Johnny Cueto was really good at the time. Like yeah. they had. So that's not really a perfect example. What about the 2020 Rays though? They lost, but like Randy Arozarena had a star-making turn. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, they didn't really have a star. Like Snell was pretty good that year. But that's yeah, true. you're that's right. That's true. Snell right. was close. Yeah. Yeah, like for the most part, like you need that guy to kind of get you to to the World Series. To like when you get to the World Series, you every team has that guy, and yeah, going back to at least like the last. 10 years I can't think of a team that didn't necessarily have a quote-unquote star on their team and it it is so important it is that there's something to that mental aspect of a pitcher going through a lineup and knowing like oh man I can't I got to make sure that when I face this guy the bases are empty or when I make sure when I face this guy it's to lead off the inning like I got to make sure I get this out because this guy's on deck like Jamison Tyone talked about it throughout many times throughout the season I always thought it was very engaging and entertaining when he spoke to the media about how he would say like, well, they had this guy in the lineup that was a very pesky at bat. And I wanted to make sure I did like uh, their pitchers game plan and strategize against an opposing lineup. And if you have that one guy, whether it's like a Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. or, or with some of these other teams, like a uh, Jordan Alvarez, like you have those guys that you got to make sure like, can't let that guy beat me. I think that's huge from a mental aspect. And obviously from a, from an actual physical baseball performance standpoint. Yeah, and I think that's why this offseason is so important for the Cubs yeah. is because they got to get that guy. And it, maybe yeah. it is bringing Bellinger back, but like this team as it's currently constructed with guys under contract, I don't think they have that guy. I You're think right. they have a bunch of, of good hitters, maybe really good hitters. And like this offense in 2023 was impressive and it exceeded expectations from what a lot of people thought. You know, people outside the organization or around baseball for sure. But I think, you know, even like maybe if you ask some of the people internally, it, it, it exceeded expectations because it is about the whole and not just like the sum of the parts. So like Nico Horner, good hitter. Seiya Suzuki, good hitter, especially the last couple months of the season. Dansby Swanson. Ian Happ, Christopher Morrell, but none of these guys necessarily strike fear the way Cody Bellinger did into the other team or the way Bryce Harper does or, um, you know, so on and so forth throughout, like, the rest of, of these postseason lineups that we see. So I do think that that's important as the Cubs identifying that, acquiring that. Again, Bellinger bringing back solves all of these problems that right. we have already talked about and already brought up. But I do think it's really important and one takeaway from the offseason that the Cubs, I think, can apply into their 2024 roster building is power, particularly at the top of the lineup. So Kyle from our social team put together the leadoff hitters in 
both league championship series. Marcus Simeon, 29 homers. Jose Altuve, 17 homers in 90 games. Kyle Schwarber, 47 homers. Quick note on Kyle Schwarber. He now is, according to Chris Kampka, has the most homers as a lefty from the left side of the plate in postseason history, tied with Reggie Jackson. Mr. October. Pretty Mr. good company. October. 18 homers for Kyle Schwarber, tied with Reggie Jackson. Like He's been really good, but I was pretty surprised to see that stat. So yeah. That was awesome. Great stat from Chris Kampka. But... So, like, Schwarber obviously has been a and game Corbin changer. Carroll, uh, right, sorry, from Corbin Carroll. Sorry, Corbin Carroll is 25 homers, the other leadoff hitter. But Schwarber's been a game changer. We've already seen this. Corbin Carroll's a game changer in and of himself. Simeon Altuve as well. But then two hole hitters, like Kyle Seeger, Alex Bregman, Trey Turner, uh, and then Cattell Marte, all have at least 25 homers. Cubs, meanwhile, combined for just 37 homers out of the top two spots in their lineup. Yeah. So they ranked 25th in baseball among homers from the top two spots. And Eight of the top ten teams in, in terms of homers from from number one from their leadoff hitter and number two ended up making it in the playoffs. So it's one of those stats that like maybe you don't think a ton about, but the days in the nineties and, and early two thousands and stuff where you have the speed guys, you have the two hitter that, that handles the bat well or you know, hits Advanced behind runners. Runner, yeah. Right. Those days are really no longer. Teams are constructing their lineups and we've seen this for years. Yeah. But you're getting your best hitters the most at bats and now it, there's such an emphasis on getting some power guys up top to, to get off to a one nothing start or, or to have an, an early lead in some capacity because especially for in the postseason, having an early lead is huge. Yeah, and for the Cubs, the way their roster was constructed, we talk about how uh, explosive or how successful this offense was. They were sixth in baseball and runs scored. They out they scored more runs than teams like the Padres who had this gaudy lineup. If you would have said yeah. in March that the Cubs would have more runs than the Padres, like anyone would have believed that. Well, you look on paper and you're right. like, oh, Padres 100%. Right, yes. right. Like they they outscored the Phillies, who we see what they're doing. Like they, they had that, but I think partially why they didn't have that success at the 1 2 were like guys that you could put up there, right? Theoretically, like Cody Bellinger or Seiya Suzuki. First of all, Seiya Suzuki had struggles early on that would mm-hmm. you have wanted him in the 2 0? Probably not. Cody Bellinger was out with an injury for a month. And, and yes, he could have been a really good two-hole hitter, but the way the rest of the lineup was constructed, where I think if you have Cody Bellinger hit second, theoretically, like let's say behind either Mike Talkman or Nico Horner, the rest of the lineup is, isn't is have that pop or that that, mm-hmm. that threat that, that Cody Bellinger has, where you kind of have to string together a lot of good at-bats to score runs, where if you string together like two good at-bats off the top three hitters when Cody Bellinger comes up, one swing that 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 gets it together. We saw that it, a bunch in July and August right, too. Yeah. Like it allows you to create more runs by having by having that mix by being able to move Bellinger where you have that though you don't have to have so many things go right when you have Bellinger in that three hole as opposed to like yes the one is good but then if you need four or five different batters to everything to go right for those guys to generate a second run mm-hmm. that's not necessarily how it is. Now if you're able to bring back Bellinger and add another key bat kind of like they did with Cody ba- with uh, Jamer Candelario excuse me then maybe you can go with Cody Bellinger at the second hole and and that allows you to to lengthen the lineup and and not be so reliant on like this guy's got to draw a walk this guy's got to have a single and then this guy's got to have a good at bat to advance and then, then that, the next guy has to have a single like it doesn't become so dependent on all these things going right yeah and and I think you know from the way the Cubs did what they were most successful at in 2023 and David Ross and the rest of the coaching staff in front office constructed the lineup in a way that maximized the offense I think but I think in the postseason it's not always about that it's not 162 games it's a small sample and going back to like the Dodgers or Braves like you can make up for some uh pitching 
depth woes maybe at points during that but like in a one or two or three game series depending on how many games you need to win at that time it just matters that day and that day power matters It, it always matters we see runs, you know, runs per game go down in the playoffs. Offense is harder. Obviously, the team's best pitchers are always pitching. Power matters. And, yeah. like, when Merrill Kelly, who was a great pitcher all year, you know, Kyle Schwerber tagged him twice for homers, that second pitch was like a changeup or whatever it was, low and away, and Schwerber hits it out to center field. Like, it was a really good pitch. Right. But when you have that type of power, regardless of whether you're a 197 hitter or whatever Schwerber hit this year, it is game changing, and I think the Cubs certainly need more of that in their lineup. They they had major improvement from 2022 to 2023, but I think another takeaway too is just like you look at all four of these teams left, and there's balance in the lineup. There's yeah. righties, there's lefties, there's guys who hit you know hit for contact, have power for sure. There's some speed element like the Diamondbacks, uh, the Phillies have some speed and stuff as well. But like the the righties and lefties right now, that specifically is something the Cubs need to address. They need at least one if not two left-handed hitters and especially when you consider that like Mike Talkman doesn't have a guaranteed spot maybe PCA is manning center field there's another lefty but like to start he's probably hitting ninth you know yeah. he's, he, like maybe and it's putting a lot of pressure on him to be like yeah. that left-handed option where you're like you're like all right we need you to be that guy from the left-handed side yeah as you're kind of getting used to playing in the major leagues absolutely and other than that right now it's Ian Happ Miles Mastroboni and Matt Burvis. Those right. are the lefties that are on the roster. And so bringing back a Cody Bellinger or Jamer Candelario or adding to it or, again, a guy like Shohei is out there, hits from right. the left side. You know, like, But all of these things, having the balance is really, really important, I think, in you know building a lineup that you want to go further into the postseason with, which with the Cubs are going to have that goal. Like We already know, regardless of what happens this offseason, they don't just want to make the playoffs. That's not good enough anymore, right. I don't think. The expectations have been raised around here, and not making the playoffs, I think everybody was disappointed from, from Tom Ricketts on down. So next season, it's about putting together a deep run, going further than what, what the Brewers have done the last couple of years or the Cardinals right. or whatever. And in order to do that, yeah, you do need power, you do need balance. And so that's what I'm I'm really curious to see how the Cubs address that to their lineup. While they already have the makings of a really good lineup, just what they do to add to it this winter will be really interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's such an important thing in, in terms of the, yes, like the, the base level is good, but it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. And, and if their hope is to, to to reach an NLCS, to reach a World Series, to win a World Series, which is clearly the, the goal for, for them and for every team. Yeah. Like, that is not good enough. Like, they need to, to augment their, their team, and it'll be interesting to see how they do that with some of the bench pieces, right? Like, I thought Patrick Wisdom was a really good bench piece down the stretch uh, in terms of being able to have him as, a, as an option against left-handed pitching. Is he someone you bring back, uh, given his arbitration status and all that? Mike Talkman, another guy going through arbitration, like, is he someone that you want to bring back, given what he was able to do are there maybe better options in, in free agency, like a, a veteran bat that maybe you like a little bit more that that is able to augment it? Because some of those pieces didn't necessarily pan out in, in 2023, whether it was like a, a Tucker Barnhart or a Trey Mancini or an Eric Hosmer. And if you think about like maybe if one of those guys pans out, maybe it's a maybe it adds a couple more yeah. wins, and then you are looking at a playoff team. Like it, it, it's about improving not just like the 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 centerpiece of the house, right? But it's also improving around the edges. It's improving the siding of the house. It's improving the the little pieces within the house that can get you from where you want to be to where you want to go. Like that's sure. that's that's what I think is, is going to be key this all season. It's like yes, you want a Cody Bellinger or a Shohei Otani or some of these big names, but you also have to augment that because it though that kind of move 
maybe brings you to your base level, maybe a little bit higher, but you need to go beyond that to, to, to really to really compete in 2024. Yeah, no, I agree for sure. So obviously priming for a really, really interesting off season, a lot of intriguing elements, which we'll get to some, uh, particularly on like the pitching front and some of the different positions, but we're gonna take a quick break here from a word, hear a word from our sponsor here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right, welcome back into the Cubs Weekly Podcast here. And Andy, we were just talking about some of the intriguing elements of this Cubs offseason. Remember last year, we, we would talk each podcast, it would be about two guys usually for around this time, around October right. and November of like, where do these two guys fit on the roster moving forward? And I think two guys that we'll start with are Hayden Wisniewski and Keegan Thompson, because as you look at the way this pitching staff is constructed, a year ago, those guys were absolute shoe-ins, as there yeah. were a lot of questions on the pitching staff coming from a rebuilding year of 2022 into a year of 2023 where there was, you know, obviously heightened expectations, hopes of contention, and so on. And then neither of those guys really panned out the way anybody thought. I mean, Wesneski had a phenomenal spring. I still don't think I don't think he ever gave up a run in this. I spring, don't think right? he did. Yeah, yeah. I so, double check, but I'm pretty sure he did. He looked awesome. Had a great end of 2022. He looked like a rotation piece. We were saying on this podcast, I said he's going to make an opening day start at some point in his Cubs career. I don't even know if he has a rotation spot moving forward. Right. He didn't have a rotation spot pretty much after like early June or whatever it was. So he was pitched out of the bullpen. He was in the minors a bunch. Keegan Thompson spent more time in the minors than the majors this year. That like multi-inning relief weapon we saw a little bit of early on and then had control issues, had issues rebounding and recovering after outings. And it just ended up to the point where like he was a non-fact. I mean, he, he got called up at one point in September for about a week or eight days and never pitched and then went right back down. Like right. he just was a complete non-factor down the stretch. And I'm really curious to see how these two guys fit in to the pitching staff next year and beyond. Yeah, and it, the to me, the, that was the biggest thing about Keegan Thompson was he was expected to be such a big piece of the bullpen. If I told you um, at the beginning of the year that like Edward Alzai or Keegan Thompson, one of them would emerge as a closer, I probably would have thought that it would have been Keegan Thompson. Yeah, me too. Just given how he pitched last year, Adbert was coming back from an injury, didn't really know what to expect. Um, Keegan Thompson was kind of, there was a lot of expectation on what he could be for the for the bullpen. You maybe thought he could be the closer, maybe thought he could be what Javier Assad ended up being. But the recovery was was a really staggering, staggering issue for him. Looked up his numbers when he had three days of rest. He had one seven two ERA in fifteen and two thirds innings and a point seven six six WHIP. Really, good. really good numbers. When you trim that down to on two days or uh, one day rest. The ERA on two days rest was 108, uh, oh. which is not. I had to double. I'm like relooking at it again. He did it. He did it twice. He only recorded one out, um, and then on one day rest, he it was four and two thirds inning, eleven and five, eleven five seven ERA. So yeah. it was it was really really a struggle. Which you're okay when guys get rest when they're in the rotation. You can't have a bullpen arm that you have to sit for for three days like. You're playing a man down every fourth or every three days, like yeah. or for three At days. At best, you get him once in a series, right? Yeah. And that that that's just not feasible. You can't operate a major league bullpen like that. We saw what happened with the bullpen down the stretch, where you needed some guys to pitch three days in a row. And if you are have one guy that can't pitch 
unless it's every fourth day, that that really hinders your your ability to to, to have a successful bullpen. And I think that that was just the undoing for Keegan Thompson, where it's just he couldn't bounce back as much as he tried, as much as the Cubs tried to figure it out, they couldn't. Then you couple that in with the command issues he had, it, it all kind of culminated in that Astros game where the Cubs blew a, a six run lead, and 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 he he uh, his struggles in the ninth were were capitalized by the Astros. I think he, his his lack of re- lack of uh, recovery, recovery or, or yeah. like performance in 2023 really uh, was a hindrance to the Cubs because if if he was a, vol- a viable piece as as the Cubs were hoping in 2023, that bullpen looks totally different. It does. It looks like uh, maybe you're not maybe we're not even talking about the offseason yet. You don't know what what it could have been like for the Cubs. They had that one extra bullpen arm. Yeah, and and I think with Wesneski too. Um, there's still a pretty bright future out there. Yeah. I mean, he has good stuff, good swing and miss stuff. Young guy, just that was his first full big league season. Not even he was in the minors for a bit right. of it. But like, I, I'm I'm curious. I don't know that there's a rotation spot because his issues with lefties were well documented. And but he wouldn't be the first person. I mean, Jamison Tyone had issues with lefties, and he's you know seven eight years into his big league career. Adbert Alzali had issues with lefties earlier in his career, obviously came back to be a dynamic closer. So it's not like anybody's shutting the door on either of these guys, but figuring those two key problems out, kind of the recovery and control for Keegan Thompson and then issues with lefties for Hayden Wesneski. Because when you're a starter, like you have to navigate the yep. lineup multiple times and like you're definitely going to do that for, for Hayden was or like if you're Hayden Wesneski. Or, you know, he came out and he had he pitched occasionally in some high leverage outings, but maybe he is a reliever. I don't know. However it is, I am really curious about where these two guys slide into the pitching staff moving forward. Wesneski is such an interesting guy because the stuff is there. Like you see the, the, the velocity on the forcing fastball tick up in the upper nineties and you you see the wipeout slider. You see the the pitching ninja videos of his slider getting yeah. guys on, on 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 swords as they're called, right? Or or just completely whiffing at, at, at the sliders. It, the stuff is there. It's just about being able to get lefties out and being able to do it not one time through, but a second time through and a third time through. And I I wouldn't rule out that he is he is uh, done as a starter. I don't know if he will if he'll be. I don't think he'll be in the rotation in twenty twenty four, but. Justin Seal started off in the bullpen, and mm-hmm. and there was times where he struggled with it in in as a starter, especially early on when he was starting. It's 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 early. The difference is is when Justin Steele went through it, the Cubs were rebuilding, and they had the luxury of like, hey, that's all right, try it again in five days. Like the Cubs don't have that luxury where if they trotted out Wesneski as a starter and he struggles, you can't just say, hey, we'll try again in five days. Like they need to win games and. That's the that's the crux they're at in terms of player development is they need to win, but they also need to develop guys, and it's kind of a fine line in that situation. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think as we look into this offseason too, one of the series that we've done the last few years and we're doing again is the State of the Cubs series where we look at each position group. So there are 11, there are the nine spots in the batting order, including DH, and then starting rotation and relief pitcher, bullpen. So I think, you know, Andy, we've started this series on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com or the Marquee Sports Network app if you want to check them out. But as we look, a lot of the position groups are solidified, like shortstop, Daniel Swanson, second base, Nico Horner. But there's first base, center field, DH, rotation, and bullpen that I think there's going to be a lot of movement, potentially a, a, a you know, a lot of intriguing movement in this offseason for the Cubs. What stands out to you of the position groups that you're going to be focusing on a lot and you're really curious to see what the Cubs do to address this winter? Yeah, I think two for me are, are first base and center field. In a lot of ways, they're definitely tied in. Yeah, right? they are. Like, like if you bring back Cody Bellinger, 
you probably solve both. I, I think you probably in the short term solve center field with Cody Bellinger and, and maybe you, you figure out first base through free agency, maybe Matt Mervis, et cetera, et cetera. Like you have some options by bringing back Cody Bellinger. That also allows Pico Armstrong to continue to develop to, to maybe re- refine some of his offensive skills in AAA or on the bench uh, to start the year, something like that, that when he's ready, you give him the center field role and you can easily shift Cody Bellinger over to first base. You not you kind of kill two uh, two birds with one stone, right? That to me is the biggest thing. And if it's not bringing back Cody Bellinger, then it's two really big questions. It's like, how do you solve first base and how do you solve center field? There's the in-house options, like we, like I mentioned, of Pete Crow Armstrong or Matt Mervis. But like I just said earlier, in terms of player development, are you really are at the luxury of being able to give them a long runway to be able to fix things and, and go through the struggles while you're trying to win, depending on what the other moves are or what the Cubs do to, to solve the roster or to, to figure out some of these roster questions, you might not be at that luxury and you might not be able to afford giving them 200, 300 plate appearances to try and figure it out while maybe going through a hundred of those where they're really, really struggling. Yeah. I think that's the, the key point there is like, if you look at this roster that you had put just put together in 2023 that was not quite good enough right with like Mike Talkman playing a bunch in center field and Cody Bellinger playing a bunch at first base and if you go into next season with Pete Crow Armstrong Matt Mervis or you know some combination at first base like Patrick Wisdom or something as well I, I think your roster takes a pretty notable step back yeah now maybe Mervis does come up and play well and learn a lot from his from his debut in 2023 and really take a huge step forward but like he's still 26 there's or he's going to be 26 there's not you know he's not a super young prospect anymore. I think there are certain certainly question marks about his role or his viability. You know as a big leaguer in the future, maybe he proves that wrong. But like the, to count on that if you're a team that's contending, it's fool's gold. Like you can't do that. And same with PCA, you can't just assume PCA is going to come up and be your Corbin Carroll. He might be. He has all the tools, right. all the potential. He very well may have a good season. But for good seasons for rookies are like solid years maybe a two or three war maybe a bit more for him for a guy who can you know do well defensively but like if he comes up and hits 260 next year and has like a 320 on base with like maybe a 400 slugging you're like that's a pretty good rookie year Corbin Carroll is like way better than that like Corbin Carroll was incredible and you know he had like what Ron Lacuna and Bryce Harper and Mike Trout has done but you can't expect that and you can't count on that. Right. And if your postseason hopes hinge on that, then yeah, you you just, you can't. There's too many question marks, yeah. too many variables. So yeah, the Cody Bellinger, bring, you know, bringing him back. Or again, you can't just count on Mike Talkman's year as well. Like right. this is a guy who played overseas for a bit and, uh, you know, has been a journeyman around baseball. Great year, great story. You can't guarantee that he's going to come back and put up the same level of production. So I, I'm with you. Those two areas the Cubs absolutely need to find guys at. Yeah, and, and the other thing, going back on the like, the bigger picture about player development too, is like in in July and August when the Cubs were really going well at the beginning of, of September, like part of the reason they were able to bring up PCA was they had those veterans around that mm-hmm. like, okay, sure, if you start PCA and maybe he isn't hitting well, right, there's eight other guys who are going to put together good productive at-bat. You had Cody Bellinger, you had Jamer Candelario, you had Nico Horner, you had Danzig. Like, you had all these guys that were going to put together a good at-bat that you could afford that. If you have three or four of those in your lineup, and maybe four or five of those really, really good, like, veteran guys, like, that's an unbalanced lineup, and that's relying too much on young guys that could create some struggles or, 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 or a lot or prohibit you from getting more wins throughout a regular season. 
And I think for me, as I look at like the position groups moving forward, it's bullpen that I'm really going to be focused on yeah. this offseason because we touched on it a little bit with Keegan Thompson, uh, with Hayden Wisniewski, but like particularly with Keegan, he was supposed to be a guy that was a big weapon for them in 2023. And Albert Alzelay emerged. Mark Leiter Jr. carried over what he did in 2022, especially getting lefties out. He had a phenomenal year. Julian Merriweather, who has always flashed the talent, you know, more, uh, uh, he's a veteran, he's been around a bit, but he's never been able to stay healthy. He put it all together in a breakout year. Those were great stories. But on the other side, I feel like in the bullpen, I shouldn't say I feel like, I think it's true, is that there were more stories the other way. Brandon Hughes, unable to stay healthy. Keegan Thompson had issues, like we said, spent more of the year in the minor leagues. Uh, Brad Boxberger hurt for most of the year. Michael Fulmer was great for stretches. He, he struggled at the start, had some bad luck for sure you know, was moved out of the closer's role. And then he was hurt by the end of the year and the Cubs bullpen kind of fell apart after that. But like, those are your off-season signings. We were Boxberger and Fulmer. And then internally, you thought maybe it was Jeremiah Estrada would take a leap or Cam Sanders or Daniel Palencia, who Palencia came up, he was all right. You know, he had some really good moments and you guys broke it down really well in last week's pod, you and Tim. But like, he had some good moments, some, some other moments for sure where like, he looked very much like a rookie. So I'm really curious to see next year other than that, there weren't guys coming up through the system. There weren't a bunch of arms. There weren't waves of people that were like, oh, this guy can, can be penciled in in even the fifth inning or the sixth inning. Like By the end of it, you were relying on Wesneski to try to get big outs, Drew Smiley to try to get big outs. At one point, Marcus, Marcus Stroman. Stroman yeah. You had 60% of your opening day rotation in the bullpen, and that was a necessity. Like They, they need to figure this out. They will. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. And then I'm just curious on where these guys go. They, where the, What happens to the Estradas and the Keegan Thompsons and even the Wesneskis or Assads? Like, what happens to all of this? Is Hughes healthy? Is Cody Hoyer healthy? Is Ethan Roberts back and healthy? Like, do these guys make an impact at all? There are so many question marks that I just have no idea what this bullpen looks like going into next year. I think the, the Cubs situation kind of is... is mirrored by what's going on in the bullpen right like you have a good base level yeah you have Edward Alzal you have Mark Leiter Jr. you have Julian Mayer that's a good base level then there's a lot of question marks and like if you say where you're at like yeah that was okay but it wasn't good enough like you need to augment that and, and I think to me when it comes to the bullpen I, I really think they need veterans to, to come into that bullpen not so much because these these young guys aren't going to pan out or they're they're not good enough. I th- I think there's just something to having a veteran presence t- to learn from. I, I I go back to uh, 2021 when or excuse me 2022 when it was like Michael Givens and and Chris Martin, David Robertson. Those three guys were yes they were locking up the 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 last three innings of a game for the Cubs, but they were also providing veteran leadership to guys like Scott Efros and and Ethan Brandon Roberts, Hughes. Brandon Hughes, yeah. guys like that that they. They learned how to be a big leader. They learned how to get ready in the bullpen. They learned how to to prepare themselves to be able to to, to do this role, which is not an easy role to do, especially for a young guy. And especially I, for a guy like Wesneski or Assad, who are starters. Yeah, for right, their right. Yeah. And, and they did. The Cubs didn't have that this year. Brad Boxberger and Michael Former were supposed to be it. Michael Former, like he's a veteran, but he's only been relieving for two years, three years. He's kind of new in the role, right? He wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily that presence that could really help them like like Givens or Martin or Robertson who had done it for an extensive period of time David Robertson learned from Mariano Rivera like yeah you're not going to learn from anyone better than maybe David Robertson in the big leagues right now and and that was that to me was like not having that veteran to to guide some of these young guys like a Palencia or or like even like Luke Little guys like that had just yeah. come up I think there's so much value in having that that if they're able to bring one or two of those guys 
first of all, it augments your bullpen. It augments those three guys, and, and it improves that immediately. But it also helps a Luke Little when they come up or a Cam Sanders if they were to come up, like guys like that to settle into the role and be able to to know how to get ready to to prepare to pitch in the second inning or the seventh inning or how to pitch on back-to-backs, things like that, and how to stay ready. I think that's so valuable, and having that veteran experience is so big to the to the Cubs' bullpen. Yeah, and I think we saw just, too, the, the attrition aspect of, like, yeah. relievers are so volatile from year to year. Brandon yeah. Hughes' uh, injury was an at, you know a huge component of 2023, but after his 22 season, his breakout year, everybody's like, this guy's great. Maybe he's in the mix for closer, something we talked about. Right. Like, you know, he was going to be a high-leverage arm, be a lefty. The Cubs didn't add a bunch of lefties. Uh, to the you know to their team leading up to this and all of a sudden he was out for most of the year and they spent most of the year without a lefty until Drew Smiley was down there and then later when Luke Little was called up and right. you know Smiley's another one is he in the rotation is he in the bullpen he's gonna be making about 10 million dollars next year with escalators and incentives in his contract after hitting an innings limit this year uh, or innings incentive got, incentive yeah, yeah thank you uh, so I, I mean there there are just questions abound Javier aside looked good in the rotation looked really good in the bullpen probably better in the bullpen maybe but right. like also again had there was, was a in having them stretched out like yeah like there's there's just so much when it comes to the bullpen that you're right there are way more question marks in terms of like what is to come than than there are like answers even yeah. as good as those those back three are and and it it, uh, it all comes down to like what how do they augment that and how do they improve that how do they make the the bullpen better because if in a perfect world if you do get Cody Bellinger back and you get another bat and you and your offense is perfectly set up uh like you want it to be part of the reason the Cubs faltered down the stretch was not necessarily the offense it was the bullpen and that's the number one thing I would point to yeah. yeah and if you don't improve the bullpen then it doesn't really matter what your offense and your starting rotation looks like because you don't you you don't have those out you you can't get those outs that you needed to down the stretch and you're almost right back to where you started. Yeah, and I think what the Cubs one of their main takeaways could be from this season and Jed Hoyer talked at his end of season press conference that he doesn't quite know yet, but it's understanding that the answers aren't necessarily in house and yeah. they came into twenty three trying to build a bullpen from within and you know they re-signed Rowan Wick and he ended up not pitching at all and was released from AAA in the middle of the year and uh, Mark Leiter Jr. wasn't even on the 40-man for part of the offseason they were lucky to retain him in some ways but like they thought internally that there would be a lot of guys that wave of pitching coming up and it just didn't pan out so to count on that to rely on that again when you're going into a season where you're expecting to contend with raised expectations you need to do more than that. You need to come up with these answers that we're talking yeah. about. And I fully expect that that's what the Cubs will do this winter is like they will come up with some answers. There will be veterans. There will be guys like Boxberger or Fulmer, you know, probably guys in like one or two year deals max. But guys that have pitched in high leverage have, have done the full season, you know, from from beginning to end, know the marathon, pitched in in postseason or in playoff runs like adding multiple of those guys, understanding that there will be attrition, and then letting the rest, you know, the rest of the chips fall however they may. Like figuring out what happens with Keegan Thompson or Javier Assad or Hayden Wisniewski or Jeremiah Estrada or Palencia or whatever, Luke Little. Figuring all of that out and then the health component of some of those other guys we mentioned, they'll be able to do that. They just need cover and they need veterans out there for sure. They, some of the most successful in-house bullpen options that have come up over the last few years, whether it's Scott Efros or Brandon Hughes or Edward Owls, like et cetera, et cetera, like they were allowed to kind of mature into that um, leverage situation, right? Brandon Hughes comes in, 
when he was called up. He comes in, I think it was like the fourth or fifth inning. It was really early in the game, struck yeah. out five guys, kind of worked his way to that level because there was veterans behind him that the Cubs were able to trust on and, and knew that they didn't have to throw Brandon Hughes in the high leverage situations. The Cubs 2023 did not have that. So having that ability where they can bring up young guys and have them have a soft landing, I think is going to be so huge and being able to develop those bullpen arms as opposed to bring them up and say, yep, extra innings, tie game, Daniel Valencia, have fun, go get them. Hey, it worked out for him. It worked out, yeah, right, right. But I don't think it's always going to work out. No, definitely not a good recipe for success. So, uh, yeah, check out our State of the Cubs series again on com or the Marquee Sports Network app. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by Wintrust. And check us out wherever you get your podcasts or in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. Thanks, as always, for tuning in and listening.